Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. When it comes to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, I'll tell you what. There isn't too much to like here. This is not a conversation of whether or not he was a a brave soldier. This is a conversation of how he is as a leader. I I can say this of many, many people. But with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, you, you hear this story about how he... He's studying uh, critical race theory, to which I said, I don't mind that he studies critical race theory. I just don't want it implemented amongst the military. And we see it implemented amongst the military. The decision to drop Bagram Air Force Base, the failure of this withdrawal from Afghanistan, to which he and the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, bragged about how well it was done. Then I can't even get my head around the idea of this phone call with China. Did he really warn the Chinese military that, hey, if we were ever going to attack you, I would call you first? He had these conversations regularly with generals from other nations. Of this, this could be the standard to which I don't mind. But was he advised by the Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper, to keep down uh, the keep everybody calm because there was a there was chatter about Donald Trump engaging in a in a nuclear war chatter that may have very well come from China's own sources but if he said i would warn you if we were going to attack that's a whole nother thing and then as we continue down the road of things coming out of this book from Bob Woodward and Robert Costa the idea that general mark milley chairman of the joint chiefs told the president that the George Floyd protesters, these Black Lives Matter activists, were not burning down the country? It was just some people with spray paint? What in the world is going on here? Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, it's so good to be with you guys. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Mike Lyons joins us right now. Major Mike Lyons, a U.S. Army retired. He has done work with CBS as their radio military analyst. And I wanted to break this down with you because we are still, of course, not fully into the the facts. And I, you know, I've often said I can't start an investigation, I can't stop an investigation, so I don't mind if you have an investigation. I think one is certainly worthy if there is a general telling the Chinese military or any other military, if we were going to attack, we would warn you first. But let's start at the first. Conversations of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, or General Milley, with counterparts in other nations. Is that standard operating procedure or no? Well, Tony, it is. I'm not sure it's necessarily him. It's usually the combatant commanders. It's uh, CENTCOM. It's the the four stars that are on the ground that have that better relationships. But clearly, he had a relationship with uh, his Chinese counterpart. So he must have had some dialogue. And here's where it takes place. So, for example, we were doing exercises in the Pacific during that time frame. And that's usually when these conversations take place. You go back to the 80s. This happened back then as well. In fact, our adversaries were invited to come and watch and literally do things on the ground. Because... 
in, in the past, historically, when armies got moved to the borders under the guise of training exercises, often they ended up invading their neighbors. Look in the Middle East in the 70s and the, and the 60s. So it's not unusual that he's talking to his counterpart. The question is what specifically he's saying. And, and all that's on transcript and all those things should be out there. And I think that's what has to come out now. One of the things that is being claimed in, in is that it was not the uh, general going rogue and having these conversations about procedure, right? If, if there's some kind of, of nuclear incident or if there's talk of it, make sure you've got all your ducks in a row. Make sure everyone knows what they're supposed to do. Supposedly, this was authorized and asked for by the Secretary of Defense, um, Mark Esper, at, at the time. This all in relationship to President Trump and the election. And could he do something wild, which I never thought about a day in my life. And I think the people who are pretending to have thought about that, I think, are making it up. How often would you say are people going through the checklist of if X, then Y and make sure everything is is uh, according to procedure? Okay, so I was in that program, the Personal Reliability Program, and it's quarterly for sure. Um, again, whether he, the chairman is specifically involved, he really is not. He just provides ministerial support to the president. Again, that's all that goes down to um, the lowest levels of the, the commands, the command and control that exists that's out there. And what, what the president authorizes is release and, and the, the authentication codes that unlock the, the locks or PAL locks, for example, that are on these nuclear weapons. So he could you know, say that from a, again, pure ministerial perspective, but each of those combatant commanders, if they have nuclear weapons in their possession, which most of them do, and most of them are in the Air Force, let's say right now, and, and on the ships, they're reviewing those procedures quarterly. They're not necessarily going to do them after the election or if something happened on January 6th, but they're going to make sure that they know what those procedures are. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, uh, military radio analyst, uh, CBS News, other spots. He joins us regularly. Now we get into it. I mean, it's one heck of a claim that this book is is making. And usually when I hear a book claim, I, I pay it no mind, right? I, I, just, I just move on with my day. This has had some staying power. And certainly we've heard from Jennifer Griffin. We've heard from uh, uh, General Retired uh, Mark Hurtling that this was, you know, this idea of doing a review came from the Secretary of Defense. Mark Esper it was a standard thing. What would not be standard is if there was a conversation of, Look, you know if something was going down, if we were going to attack you, 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 you know I'd call, right? You know I'd reach out to you, right? Um, that's not standard. So is there push for an investigation to take place to find out if that conversation took place? Yeah, I think there should be. The question is whether there will be. It's This is where this you know, political line has been crossed, and this is where General Milley, I think, is really most at fault by obviously talking to Bob Woodward about this book and the other reports that are coming out that are going to start leaking out about what obviously he was involved with. And I think that's really the problem. You know, the, there's got to be this bright line between, you know, civil-military relations. And um, it, it appears that this whole thing gets, once again, taken out of context without these levels of explanation. So, I, I you know, the, 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 the chairman, you would, I, just, you know, the previous guy, Martin Dempsey, for example, he just never would have been in, involved with something like this. But for whatever reason, 
this chairman decides to insert himself into these political battles and, and you know, talk about critical race theory. And in this particular case, I mean, Bob Weber got this information from somebody, and everyone thinks they got it from from Milley himself. So the, I think that's what's wrong about it. It's gonna it's going to come out, but it's just going to come out, and it's it just makes the military look bad. It makes um, you know, it just it doesn't make for a, a situation where you're really confident. See, I I don't know if it makes the military look bad or if it makes Milley look bad. It makes Milley look very much the way James Comey looked. You realize right. quickly that my gosh, this is a craven political animal, which yeah. takes us to this New York Post story. I texted it to yeah. you. I'm like. Tell right. me what you think of this. The headline reads, General yeah. Milley told Trump the George Floyd protests were no big deal. Referred to them as, and I'm quoting here, penny packet protests, unquote. I have never heard that expression before in my life. But when the president said, raising fears that they were burning th America down, this again according to the book, he said, Mr. President, they are not burning it down. They use spray paint, Mr. President. That's not an insurrection. Which which is damaging very much to the people who want to call January 6th an insurrection, as, right. as I see it, because the only people who had weapons were the Capitol Police. But this is, again, that's a political move, isn't it? Yeah, it is, Tony. That's a great analogy, too, with James Comey, because, again, he just, you know, hiding behind the skirt of, you know, the job at that point. When you when I saw that article about, you know, you're going to try to tell Donald Trump something that he's seeing with his own eyes. If there's one thing that that man does have is pretty good instincts about when he sees something, calling it out for what it is. And when you have the chairman, who's, again, is supposed to be his military advisor, telling him it's no big deal, I, it, it just, you know, just, just very surprising that he actually would say that, it, it, even weigh in on it at all. The bottom line is it's just completely so far out of his lane um, at that level. Um, but, but again, th this is what he's become of himself, and this is what he wants to project of himself. And I think, I think it's backfired on him. And um, you know, the question is whether or not he's going to be held to the carpet for it. I don't think so. I think the political environment is right now. The Democrats are going to circle the wagons around this. My only concern is this: if I could say one thing, is it's coming down to what happened in Afghanistan, where it's going to be linked to. If if the politicians think that they're going to get blamed for this, both Republicans and Democrats, then I think you're going to see Milley get thrown under the bus because then they're going to blame the military for that. And that's where that link linkage will be made. But if they think they can get away with this politically, then I think Milley survives for at least uh, the next two years. And depending on you know the, who, who runs Congress in you know, 2023, whether he stays on as chairman. So it's the New York Post that has the story, and they're quoting some, some excerpts of this book that come uh, via Fox News. And that Milley insisted that the protests were not an issue for the U.S. military and instead said – this is the, the reporting uh, – said the protests were understandable given systemic racism. So now this goes back to Milley in that, in that uh, setting – I don't know if I remember it was the House or the Senate mm – -hmm. discussing yeah. critical race theory. And this right. goes to a mindset – of General Milley, now we can bring in the rest of the military. Exactly yeah. when you see this, is, is there a now when you see this and you see that other statement and you can now take this and a, take a look at where the military has been going for the last couple of years, is there, a, is there clearly a top-down problem in how the military has been trained over the past yeah. five, ten years? 
Well, I think no, I, I don't think it's happening. And, and I can tell you this: that the problem, the military actually doesn't want to announce it too much that they're not doing it because then they're going to be afraid that it will be forced down their throat from Congress. And what he did, you know, not recognizing that it's political theater that takes place in most cases uh, with with these hearings, especially the public ones. And you know, he decided to play, try to play into it, which was just dumb. I mean, a dumb politically and a dumb projects the military in that bad light. So when he said that about the critical race theory, it, it just was, again, outside the lane of what a chairman should be joined, should be talking about. I think any other four-star general at that level, look, they've got to be political animals to get that job, obviously. But any other four-star general just wouldn't have gone down that path. He's aligning himself clearly with one part, one of these part, the party, the, the Democrats, frankly, that that you know he's trying to figure out what he wants to do when when he comes after this and he's trying to uh, you know endear himself to to that that situation you bring up the, the the politics of it, and we have watched uh, the the military over the years, and have watched the politics of it. And I certainly don't want to see politics uh, in, in in the military. Is there a is there a way out of this as you see it? Is there a way out of uh, the United States military being used as a project for social justice. That's a great question. Again, uh, the military has always led the way. You look in the past about you know, segregation, desegregation. The military was desegregated back in the you know in the late forties by Harry Truman. Um, you know, the military does get used by the politicians to advance social causes at times. It, it forgets that its primary objective is to fight and win the nation's wars. Um, it just it just depends on the politicians, and it, and I think that's you know really what what's been aligned now. I think um, a, a guy like Mark Milley has is dangerous in his job from a ministerial perspective. Again, he has no real command authority over anybody. It's not that he can order anybody to do anything, but um, he can influence as such to, to have people you know, do certain things that, that, again, you would not think. The military should reflect society. It should not be a social experiment for things that society wants to do, and society wants to move forward in certain ways based on the political aspect of it. We're, we live in a 50-50 country right now, so it, we should be especially careful not to upset that balance. Well, we're a 50-50 country politically, but that some of that 50%, other 50% doesn't even believe in defending the nation. So I'm not so sure I am so down with the 50-50. That's another conversation for another day. Major Mike Lyons uh, from uh, uh, CBS News Radio Military Analyst, I should say, or NN uh, News Radio military analyst uh, for for CBS, and of course joins us here very often. Major Mike Lines, I appreciate you taking the time. I've got more on social media and your bathrooms. Oh, this is happening. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So I found this tweet out there from a doctor, a Dr. Brian Lenskis. I don't, I don't know the, the, the dude personally, but I'm going to check into this because here, here's the tweet. The National Institutes of Health now recommends vitamin C, D3, and zinc for prevention and treatment of COVID-19. The rest of us who have recommended it for the past 18 months don't even want an apology. That's great. By the way, we had heard about uh, zinc. There were conversations about vitamin D from from early on. Yeah, but those three things are, like, good for everyone no matter what circumstance. 
But if it, it, I, I would have to check where the NIH check the NIH site, you know, and see where it is. The point is, anytime anybody were to talk about other things, oh no, that's ridiculous. Oh no, that's wrong. Oh no, how dare you? Not necessarily. How dare you? Not necessarily wrong. That's the story. How it's it's like the whole Nicki Minaj conversation. How quickly people will go. You don't get to say that. You can't talk that misinformation. Whoa! No, it's different. It isn't different. Tony, it's just I, like the hydroxychloroquine no, conversation. No, no, no. It's if I said drinking lots of water will help with COVID, and like there's no evidence of that, but I guarantee you, like, yeah, it probably would have helped. If you said it, that's right, because you are not a doctor. But doctors have been saying these things, and they got vilified for it. They got kicked off social media and other places. Because it was misinformation. But it's a doctor saying it. They're giving their opinion out there. Meanwhile, social media is allowed to tell kids, hey, walk into your school and rip the soap dispenser off the wall. Ha <laughs> ha, isn't that funny? I saw that, dude. It's this so is happening weird. all over TikTok. I know. What's the deal? Uh, they, they, it's, it's what they've got going on is uh, what they want you to do is, is destroy your school bathroom. And people are doing it all across the country. Incl- my kids' schools... They have actually shut down a couple of the bathrooms because the videos will say, hey, rip out the soap dispenser. They've literally taken apart the sinks. But, like, what's the joke? Like, I don't get the punchline. I don't know. Uh, They're bored morons who don't know how to talk to a girl. Is that really what it is? I got to assume that's what it is at this stage of the game. I have to assume it's because these guys have never thought, hey, you know, all the time I'm spending ripping the soap dispenser off the wall, I could totally meet somebody. And then they're getting to things like rip the air dryers off the wall. You know, the hand dryers things? You know, that's electricity. When a kid gets electrocuted, I will be defending the school. And I'll be telling the parents, I'm so sorry. That's what I'll be saying. I'll be 100% defending the school. If some kid watches a TikTok video and says, I should rip the hand dryer off the wall, that'd be hilarious. I've actually discussed this with my children. What are you, insane? If you have the time to steal a soap dispenser, you have the time to work out, you have the time to study, you have the time to meet a girl, you have the time to do all sorts of things. You can draw a picture. You could take a walk in the park. Anything is better than doing that. What are they doing with them? Are the soap dispensers? I'm not 100% sure, but I haven't checked eBay either. I don't get the point then. Like, there's no, there's no payoff. There's no point, of course. Was there a point to Tide Pods? Yeah, because they're delicious. You're an idiot. Apologize to the people right now. It's a joke, people. Apolo- uh, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. It was a bad joke. Con- telling people to eat pie to- t- Tide Pods. If I could say it right, that'd be a thing. Yeah, I don't know why people do what they do, producer Ari. I don't, I don't know why these things are. I mean, I did dumb things as a kid. I'm not saying no. But compared to the speed at which kids do dumb things today, I did many fewer dumb things. I'm not saying I didn't do dumb things. I'm saying it was fewer. And your point is valid. What is the payoff? I don't know. What I think is interesting is that people will see this on social media happening and they won't say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the best for my kids. How many parents will be like, okay, we're done with this? I think that number is near zero. By the way, I should apologize for calling producer Ari an idiot. No, it was fair. Yeah, I think so too. This is Tony Katz today.
Every time Joe Biden talks about fair share and channels his inner Barack Obama, I get a little sick inside. Because none of these people can define what fair share is. They can't do it. They can try and try and try from now until the cows come home. There is no way to define fair share. It simply can't be done. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. This was Joe Biden yesterday on the subject of taxation. Holy cow. Yes, the pandemic has caused a lot of economic problems in the country. But the fact is our economy faced challenges long before this pandemic struck. Working people were struggling to make it long before the pandemic arrived. Big corporations and the very wealthy were doing very well before the pandemic. That's why I've said starting back in my campaign for president, that it's not enough to just build back. We have to build back better than before. And that's how it all begins. Big corporations and super wealthy have to start paying their fair share of taxes. It's long overdue. I'm not out to punish anyone. I'm a capitalist. If you can make a million or a billion dollars, that's great. God bless you. All I'm asking is you pay your fair share. Pay your fair share. Just like middle class folks do. Holy crap. He's a capitalist. Who buys into this? Who believes this? And what in the world does it mean I'm a capitalist and then you could say pay your fair share? What is what is this? I put forth to you that there's not a single person not a single person who could define what fair share is. It's like trying to define living wage. There's no such thing as a living wage. It doesn't exist. There is no nationwide living wage. There is no citywide living wage. Because individuals are different and have different needs. That's the issue. The person who has four children and the person who has one child do not have the same living wage. It's not real. The person who is in good health and the person who has a prescription that they need or they die do not have the same living wage. The person who has foot pain has a different living wage than the person who doesn't, if only because they're spending a lot of money on those weird arch support things. You're like, I don't even know how that works, but supposedly it does. It goes on and on. No capitalist is saying pay your fair share. That's not it. That's not real. And you can't say if you make a million or a billion dollars, God bless you, and then follow up by saying, and we're going to punish the living snot out of you. Because that's what you're doing. And certainly Joe Biden has to understand that's what his party is doing. Is a capitalist the person saying we have to shut down society because of a virus? And sorry, restaurants and bars, you don't get to be open. Oh, but the newspaper gets to be open. Oh, they they get to be open. All those leftist lawyers, they get to keep doing their work. But you, 
who makes burgers for a living or pours cocktails for a living, not for you. You don't get this option. That's not capitalism. Is this Joe Biden talking about his $3.5 trillion infrastructure plan, which hopefully will die a miserable, painful death? Is this capitalism? It's a question. This will mean thousands of dollars in savings for the average American family on some of the toughest and most important bills they have to pay every month. My Republican friends talk a lot about inflation. But if you want to talk about actually lowering the cost of living for people in this country, my plan does just that. By strengthening the capacity of our economy, while also reducing inflationary pressures over the long run. Here's something else my plan does. It confronts the crisis of extreme weather events that we're seeing all around us and around the world, but just here in America. We see it everywhere. We know it's real. In just the past few weeks, and there's more to come, I've seen the destruction of hurricanes in Louisiana, where winds got up to 100, gusts to 179 miles an hour. A deadly toll from flooding New York, where 20 inches of rain in New Jersey, more than 11 inches of rain in some areas. More than 5 million acres of our lands and communities have burned to the ground in wildfires just this year alone. That's more than the size of the entire state of New Jersey. I think some people would rather you burn the entire state of New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, weren't you born there? I'm uh, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Jersey. I'm saying, I'm t- all I'm saying is some people would rather that. The wildfires in California have a tremendous amount to do with a poor utilization of the land. There are also fires that happen in deserts. I mean, that's just a fact. California has always dealt with wildfires. And you cannot discount poor land management. You can also say there have been some more fires, but you cannot discount poor land management to the severity of those fires. But notice how he starts this conversation or gets into this conversation talking about extreme. By strengthening the capacity of our economy, while also reducing inflationary pressures over the long run. Here's something else my plan does. It confronts the crisis of extreme weather events. We went from global warming. Oh, you already know where I'm at, guys. You're already there. Don't don't get to the end of the book until I'm there. I'm there to join you. Come on now. We went from global warming to climate change to extreme weather events. When they noticed, no, we weren't necessarily having more hurricanes than ever before. It's that the hurricanes were more severe. And we've had some severe hurricanes. Whether you go back to Superstorm Sandy in the East Coast, or whether you talk about what just happened, was it was it Ida uh, that came up, the flooding that took place in, in Louisiana? There, there are, by the way, still people without power in Louisiana. Notice that story isn't even being discussed. If Trump was president, you'd have news crews there every day saying, why don't these people have power? You don't hear that. You don't see that reporting. How about the and, and there was indeed a serious flooding on the East Coast. I mean, it was it was bad stuff. 
They report on that, and they were right to report on that. 46, 49 people died. They never reported on the derechos that took place in Iowa and Nebraska. They never seem to report on, on, on those Midwest things. Now do that. But look at how they changed the terminology. That's what's so ugly. And we need to pass $3.5 trillion in infrastructure because of extreme weather events? Of course not. Your argument is we have to change how we live and live less. We have to regress as a society and as a people in order to to uh, deal with your 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 radicalness, your your fake solution, which hurts people, doesn't help people. Maybe Sarah Silverman is right. And maybe what we need to do is to divide the country in two. Maybe that's what's necessary here. We have to divide the country in two. Wasn't that a Kurt Schlichter book? No, 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 no. His book, Militant Normals, wasn't about dividing the country in two, nor was his series about Kelly Turnbull. Um, That is about a country that was divided in two. That's about what could happen. But that was that his his book his book wasn't based on we should do this. His book is a fictionalized series, uh, the Kelly Turnbull series, which you can get at Amazon.com, and I do the audiobooks for. Was based on what happened if the country split in two. How would these two things act and interact? And he creates this fictional world around it. As for the country breaking up in two, the first person ever to say that to me was my brother, the good Dr. Katz. Let the left take the north, the south, the east, or the west. They can pick. And in two years, they will be digging under our fences to try and find food. That's, that's, his, that's his theory. This is Sarah Silverman, the actress, the comic on the subject. I mean, this may be a negative thought, but or maybe a positive one. I don't know. But if people aren't getting along... Uh, like in relationship, they break up, you know? So like, why don't we just finally just realize that this, these states aren't working and like divide up into like two or three countries of like USA one and USA two. And they can be USA one, like the conservatives can be USA one because they love being number one and it means something to them. And I'd love to have that be theirs. They can be USA one, we'll be USA two, and we'll be allies. And No, we won't. No, we're not going to be allies. We're not allies right now. We're not allies. Let's make sure we understand the fundamental difference. The political right wants to live their lives, and the political left won't leave the political right alone. The political right wants to go about their lives, and the political left, they believe their ideas have to be adopted by everybody, and if they're not, you're a bigot and you're a racist, you should be destroyed. The political right thinks it's okay not to decorate a same-sex marriage cake, and the political left wants to put that person out of business. The political right thinks you should make a decision between you and your doctor on taking a vaccine, and the political left wants to beat the living snot out of Nicki Minaj for asking a question. There's a difference. And when you see those two things, uh, th- those, those aren't allies. We're not allies, Sarah. 
We're not people who have a, a, a disagreement. When we have a disagreement, we think we should talk about it. When you have a disagreement, you think we should be forced into agreeing with you. That is not a system of government. Nor does that make allies. And I would be uh, just just a little more clear on this. If you want to divide up the country, which is fine, I don't want to be your ally. I want you to live in the world you want to create. My problem right now is I don't want to live in the world you want to create. Your world sucks. Now, I'm not going to argue that my world is perfect. I'm going to argue that my world is better. Big difference in those things. I don't argue that my world is perfect. I do not argue that my world is a panacea because I don't believe the panacea can come. What I argue is my world is better than your world. And But I, I want you to be happy. I want you to live in your world. I want you to suffer through it. Woke culture. I want you to suffer through cancel culture. I want you uh, to, to suffer from an inability to grow food. All of it. Wait. And the inability is to grow food is because you're so going to pretend uh, that you care about the environment that people aren't going to be able to utilize uh, combines. And if you say to me, what are you talking about? I'll point you to the Green New Deal where it discussed the fact that we should reduce emissions to the point technologically feasible. Not that we should reduce uh, emissions in a way that could better help the environment. To the point that's technologically feasible is to prevent the combine or the tractor from running. That's the point technologically feasible. Just keep them off. All of a sudden you realize the Rush song, Red Barchetta. Ooh... They were on to something now, weren't they? So my world is going to grow tomatoes. And your world is going to talk about, remember we used to have tomatoes? But you, you should have it. I am so glad you want me to be happy. We're proud to call ourselves USA One, but we're not going to call ourselves USA One. We're going to call ourselves the United States of America. And you're going to be whatever it is that you are. Wokistan. I beats the hell out of me. Wokistan. I love it. You're going to lead your life, and I wish you nothing but the best. I don't actually believe the best can come from your life. Now, admittedly, you guys will have better plays than we will. It's going to take us a while. <laughs> That's good, Tony. Movies are going to suck for a bit, and oh, dear Lord, we're going to listen to a lot of Lee Greenwood. But, but we can work on those things, because we're going to have the people who can you know, build guitars and sets and props, and we'll get there. We will, we, we will get there. We will, we, guaranteed. As I said, it won't be perfect. Just better than your world. But I wish you all the best with it. And you know what? You can call yourselves anything that you want, and, and uh, that's, that's fine by us. But when you dig under our fence for food, we're going to shoot. I mean, you're the one who wants this, Right? You want to really split? That's a split. But that split is full and complete. No, no, no. You have to live with it for a while. You have to live with it. All right, we won't shoot. We'll just have 12 layers of fencing. Real fencing, real walls. You live with it. And then when you beg, because <laughs> it didn't work, we'll tell you, hey, this is what you wanted. And, and you know what? It's, it's just the way it's got to be. Again, all the best. I'm Tony Katz. 
Happy Constitution Day, everybody. The ratification of the Constitution. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, to ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Worth remembering, people. Tony Katz, great to be with you. By the way, producer Ari, in one of the great lines during the break, said, I don't think rational people really want to divide the country in two. And I laughed out loud. I, why is that funny? I think I'm because, right. Because of course they do. What? You're out of your mind. I don't know. No, I'm not. See, but I, you know what? Let me say it differently. They don't actually want to split the country in two. But there are plenty of people on the political left who want the political right to have no rights. You should not have a say. You shouldn't be able to have a job. You should be... You. How many of them actually believe in the concepts of re-education? It's the vocal minority, dude. I reject that when it comes from the leadership. When it comes from Bernie Sanders, when it comes from Ocasio-Cortez, when it comes from Ayanna Presley, when it comes from Ilhan Omar, when it comes from Joe Biden, when it comes from Speaker Pelosi, when it comes from the pseudo-intellectual set that runs the Washington Post and the New York Times and MSNBC and CNN. Yeah, those it are is ra- not a vocal minority. That's not the rational people. No, they're just the ones in charge. Eh, well, that's a problem, too. This is Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio.